Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. What's the fuss and tell me what's a happening? This is Pyromaniac Mo coming at you for another fantasy football talk on the one and only the Pyro Podcast Light. You can follow all of my fantasy football goo on Twitter at Pyromaniac Mo, just like it sounds. All right, gang. This is episode 26 of the Pyro Light Podcast, and I got a double dose of fantasy football talks for you. We start off, as usual, with a little bit of rock and or roll. And we started off today with the bands, the shape I'm in, because, whoa, you don't know. In fact, we're going to bookend this puppy with the shape I'm in. And in the middle, you get a little bit of their great cover of Springsteen's Atlantic City. Besides great tunes, what do we have for you? We've got, as I said, a double Dose. So the first fantasy football talk is with my pal Matt Harrison. He's from League Safe. I love this cat because my goodness, he's good to me. He was, I believe, my first interview, and uh, this is his third one with me. We dive into some great stuff. He's got an interesting take regarding Kelvin Benjamin. Uh, we talk a lot of draft philosophy right off the bat, which is cool. Do the opposite. Um, perhaps do what do the opposite might mean. Next year, late round QB, uh, streaming tight ends. So a lot of really cool draft philosophy. And then we get into some players. If you are doing the opposite, who you might be looking at, running backs and current ADPs and who he likes and uh, who he might stay away from. Then, of course, we go over to another fantasy football talk. I got to chat with Will Carroll. He's from FanDuel. He does an amazing job with injuries and uh, predicting when guys are going to come back and what shape they're going to be in. He's just an amazing font of medical knowledge. So 
after the first Matt Harrison interview, get a little bit of music, and don't forget to stay tuned for the Will Carroll interview at the very end. So we've got a double dose for you today. Thanks for tuning in, Pyromaniacs. As always, stay with us as we are entering the sphere of Blog Talk Radio, and... Please leave us a review on iTunes or wherever you get your pyro goo from. Leave us a review. It helps other listeners find our show. And, of course, it gives you good karma. Leave us a review. If you leave a review in 2016, we are going to offer you a Pyro Pro incentive package that we will be talking about later. So any reviews left in 2016, you might be able to increase your fantasy chances next year with a tasty gift from pyro stay tuned leave a review now so without further ado guys we're going to kick this one off with matt harrison and like i say stay tuned for the will carroll interview peace hey what's the buzz and tell me what's happening this is pyromaniac mo and i've got another fantasy football talk for you today i am connected with a, a google hangout with uh my good friend and compadre Matt Harrison. Matthew, how are you, sir? Good. How are you doing, Mo? I'm doing well. And uh, I'd just like to thank you. Um, I think you were one of my first interviews, and now this is the third interview. Uh, my peer over at Pyro, he does something called the Golden Sombrero. So if somebody gets three mentions during the year, he kind of does a write-up about that. So I guess yeah. you are my golden chalupa. I don't, I don't know. Uh, you're my golden boy, regardless, for, for putting up with me for three times. So I certainly appreciate it. I'm just a hoe for Mo. That is right. <laughs> I love it. And ladies and gentlemen, you know, you can follow me on Twitter at PyromaniacMo, and Matt can be found on Twitter at ExplosiveOutput, that is E-X-P-L-O-S-I-V-E-O-U-T-P-U-T, and Matt is, of course, the writer and digital experience manager over at LeagueSafe and LeagueSafe Post. Now, in season, he can be heard on the nation's longest-running fantasy football radio show entitled Fantasy Football Weekly. You can also hear his take on fantasy from another League Safe podcast, uh, Fantasy Football Almost Daily. So, I know we've done this before, but uh, hopefully Pyromaniac is grabbing new earbuds daily. And uh, for those new listeners out there, why don't you explain to uh, our crowd what you boys are doing over at League Safe, and if anything is new, kind of plug us in with uh, what the company is about. Uh, league safe is kind of, uh, for lack of a better term, kind of a PayPal for fantasy leagues. Uh, we, we kind of make sure that, uh, each fantasy league, uh, has their payments paid in on time, um, by, by doing reminders and such, such things like that. And then, uh, at the end of the season, commissioner clicks a few buttons and, uh, money is sent to the accounts of the, uh, winners and then they can log in and, uh, choose their withdrawal method. Uh, we got some free deposit options and some free withdrawal options. We got a couple uh, premium options that cost a little bit of money, uh, but you know we're business, so we're we're in it to try to you know pay my salary and everything like that. So show enough, show enough. Uh, but yeah, a um, lot lot of good features. Majority approval. Um, we got some security features in place. So if you're playing online with some people you don't know. Um, we try to make sure that the commissioner's not stealing any of the money or something like that. You're getting signed up for bad leagues or anything like that. Um, 
if you're if you're using one of the other sites out there, they can kind of just take your money. In fact, they encourage the commissioners to withdraw the money. Uh, we're we're one of the few sites that say, nope, that money has to stay in at League Safe. It's going to be locked down all season. It's going to be safe, and at the end of the year, uh, everybody should have a say in, in how that goes. And and it usually works out pretty great. So, a uh, lot lot of success. Been been in it for I think the company's been going for eight years now. Uh, I've been here for almost four. So uh, yeah, it's 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 been good. Here. We started Safe Leagues last year, which is our uh, our contest leagues that uh, that we run, and uh, that was pretty successful for our first go around. Got uh, so- somewhere near fifty leagues, I believe, that we started running, and uh, I think about twenty five of those were Empire leagues. So if you're looking to join an Empire league, which I think we're going to talk about later in this interview, um, and and you don't have eleven or nine friends that want to do it with you safe leagues is a good place to look if uh, you want to you want to play in an empire format and uh, we have open spots for people to join yeah we're going to definitely talk about that because uh we at pyro really love the idea and perhaps might uh, get involved but we'll definitely broach the subject here soon um but before we get there i mentioned of course league safe as we've just heard, uh, lives up to its name, making your leagues more safe, especially in this internet age when a lot of times you're playing with guys you don't know. So it just makes it, uh, takes the worry away and, uh, you know, guarantees you're going to get what you put into it. And if you're a winner, you'll, you'll get what comes out. Uh, also, I mentioned uh, the Fantasy Football Weekly radio show. Now, this is one of the resources I use. I'm a regular listener. You guys do a fantastic job. Um, for those of us who are unfamiliar what is the Fantasy Football Weekly show? Who is there? And what do you guys discuss? When, when can we find you? Uh, we're on Saturday mornings, uh, starting the first Saturday in August and uh, going through week 16. Uh, we don't do week 17 because we have a strong stance against any fantasy being played in week 17. Damn right. Um, but, uh, yeah, we've been, we've been on for 21 years on uh, KFAN 100.3 FM Minneapolis. You can find that on iHeartRadio. Um, you can also find the Fantasy Football Weekly channel on iHeartRadio. So if you got that app on your phone, click Fantasy Football Weekly. You'll find all of our podcasts on there. You can listen back or you can listen live uh, when we're on on Saturday mornings. A lot of our callers that call into the show uh, from around the country, I know there's a guy from Michigan who basically calls every week. Um, we, we, we get calls from Australia, like Florida, just everywhere. So it, it's it's kind of a show that's uh, taken a life of its own and, and it's doing pretty well. Uh, Paul Charchian is the host of the show. Um, he's been hosting it for, I think, 20 of the 21 years. And then uh, uh, it's uh, me, Christian Peterson from League Safe, John Tuvey from The Huddle, and Brian Johnson, also from League Safe, who uh, do kind of a rotation, the four of us, uh, for two spots every week. So uh, number two and number three are the rotation of the four of us. So it's a lot, a lot of, a uh, lot of uh, prep and study work every week. So it's nice that we don't have to do it every single week. So we get a couple, couple weeks off in there and stuff like that, but it's pretty fun. Uh, a lot of us have kind of been uh, in the same office for a long time and two uh, V we know from our days at Fanball. So uh, it's mostly just like a whole bunch of guys who are knowledgeable about fantasy sitting around cracking stupid puns and, uh, jokes about parts of the brain and that kind of thing. And uh, we have a good time doing it. Yeah. Here, when I do these fantasy football talks, you know, I'm trying to open up the fantasy world 
for the Pyromaniacs. And so we're talking to a lot of people, and I've talked to John Tuvey on this, but uh, that resource, Fantasy Football Weekly, the show is one of, literally one of my favorites. I listen to you guys every week. I get a lot of my uh, insight, and, I, and I'm always tweaking my lineups last minute based on some of the stuff that you guys say. So it, Pyromaniacs, give it a listen. It's really a great show, and it's one of my top shows that I would recommend to people. Um, so that's essentially leading into my next question. I just kind of peeled back the curtain and told folks, hey, this is a resource that I listen to with regularity. I love it. That's one of the things we try to do at Pyro is let listeners know uh, a little bit about some of the resources we go to. You know, the old adage in the Bible, uh, teach a man to fish rather than feed him for a day. So on that token, what's a resource that you can toss out to listeners, maybe a website or a data point or something that you find really fantasy important, uh, some, a regular thing that you go to? Well, of course, uh, you can find us at, at League Safe Post. Uh, we do some, uh, some stuff every week for, for, uh, for football on League Safe Post. Not as much as we used to, but uh, we might be ramping that up again this fall and, and making it a little bit more interesting. More on that later. But uh, um, I, I use FF Today, Fantasy Football Today, for a lot of uh, stats. It's, it's easy. It's clean. You can find uh, basically any stat you want, and uh, that's a nice one to have. Uh, football Outsiders I got really into this year with their DVOA statistics. If you're looking for a guy who uh, yeah. you, you need to just plug and play in a lineup, like a, your, your third wide receiver, you don't know who you're going to play because you got a couple bye week issues. You go look at uh, Football Outsiders DVOA statistics and you can tend to find uh, some interesting matchups that maybe you can exploit. Uh, yeah, that's uh, that's two of them. Uh, the Pro Football Reference Play Index is is fun if you're – uh, if you're looking up really weird statistics, uh, stuff that you want to spout off on a podcast or a radio station, that's a good place to go. You can find you can find really odd statistics there. Uh, so yeah, those are those are a handful that uh, I tend to use pretty often. Yeah, I second all of those, especially the uh, you know the DVOA from Football Outsiders, and I like when they uh, you can check the defense versus type of receiver. So for example, you know Indiana. Uh, against wide receiver number one, they were rated 11th, 11th versus number two, but other wide receivers rated 30th. So you might be able to find those little stats to take advantage of. So uh, all good references there uh, that you tossed out. Now, we kind of hinted around this earlier, uh, yeah. but you know I'm a dynasty player. And one of the reasons folks love dynasty and perhaps pyros, we're doing this all year round and you can get your fantasy football fix all year round. You need to be up on the current, you know, signings, what's going on at the combine rookie draft, free agency transactions. You got to be up on all that. And dynasty leagues really cater to knowing what's going on. Uh, mm-hmm. Dynasty owners need to keep appraised of these situations, you know, making trades, doing waiver wire, all that stuff. However, I'm finding this out in um, a regular dynasty league I'm in. uh, I think we're in the fifth year and I'm still in it. And there's many that are, but several owners are running out of gas. And when that happens, the league just kind of starts to deteriorate. It's not nearly as fun for everyone else. They're not trading. They're not responding to emails. um, And it just sort of, it makes it less fun for everybody, even though I'm still in it. Other guys are really bringing it down. And you guys kind of have the answer, I think, with uh, what you alluded to earlier, and that's Empire League. So why don't you tell us what an Empire League is? So uh, the gist of the Empire League is it's like a dynasty league. You hold overall players. Um, 
But the main difference is, is the first play to win the league two years in a row, uh, wins the Empire Pot, which I'll get into in a second, and it ends the league. It gives a definitive ending to, uh, to a Dynasty League, which Dynasty Leagues, by default, really don't have a definitive ending, and they can go on forever. Some people are just going to lose interest, and uh, eventually it'll fall apart or – you know, enough people will be like, you know, I, I just don't want to play anymore. I'm going to, I'm going to leave. And somebody else comes in and they get a crappy team and it's, it's just no fun trying to rebuild a crappy team for four or five years and throwing money down the toilet while you're doing that. So the Empire League, what we do is we take a, 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 a standard $100 entry fee, $50 would go into uh, this year's pot and $50 would go into the Empire pot. So uh, you have a you have a constant rolling pool of money. So in a uh, let's let's just give give an example that's easy math. For instance, in a ten team league at a hundred dollar entry fee, there's a thousand dollars in the pot. I like easy math. It's right yeah. up my alley. Uh, so five hundred would go uh, out to the you know first, second, third place that year, and five hundred would be put away in the empire pot, as five hundred would in year two, as five hundred would in year three, four. So by the end of year four, you got two thousand dollars in your empire league pot and uh if a guy wins it in year three and year four he gets the first place prize for that year but he would also win that two thousand dollars in the empire pot and uh so it it makes it makes a a kind of a big prize in a small time uh in a in a small time entry fee so it's one of the things that we like uh one of our other rules that we have to kind of avoid collusion in our current Empire League that uh, we just finished, I believe, year four on, um, is that the current champion cannot make trades the following season. So uh, uh, I was the champion in year three, and uh, I'm kind of known in our league as uh, one of the guys who throws out a lot of trade offers. Some some call me a troll, a trade troll, but... uh, I, I throw out a lot and I have fun with it and usually get sparks some conversations and, and, and it's good, but uh, not having the ability to trade was very difficult. And uh, I ended up taking third this year. I had a good team, but uh, uh, you know, like a lot of people, injuries just kind of, kind of took me out of it, but it, yeah. it makes it difficult. And one of the reasons we put that rule in place is to kind of avoid collusion. Uh, if the pot gets to, maybe we get, 10, 15 years into it, and the pot's looking close to $10,000 or something like that for the Empire pot. That's probably enough for a guy to go, you know, Mr. Champion guy, right. I don't mind hitting you this, this number one running back and this wide receiver, my only two good players on my team, if uh, you happen to you know, shoot me a $2,000 cut when you win the championship this year. So we uh, decided to you know, nip that in the bud right away. And once you uh, win the championship, you get a year of no trading. So uh, um, it, it makes it difficult. Yeah, I I like it. And one thing I really like about it is it keeps everyone with a vested interest. Even if your team is kind of tanking, you know, yep. you can turn an organization around in a couple of years. And if, like you say, if you're 15 years into it, boy, is there some incentive to turn your organization around. And all well, the other thing is, is you, you want to plan to win it twice, three or four years down the road. Yeah. Um, a, lot, a lot of the stuff that we do on Empire Leagues, uh, Christian Peterson makes a fantastic uh, Empire League trade value chart. It gives everybody a, a numerical value, uh, every player in the league. 
and his is based off winning winning the league in year three and year four, like winning it three or four years from now. So these are the players you should target now to try to win, not next year, not the year after that, but let that pot grow a little bit and you keep building and building and building and finding the right pieces here and there. But forecast the guys who are going to be good for you for a long time. Guys like Cam Newton and Aaron Rodgers and Andrew Luck uh, rank very highly in that. Running backs don't get as much uh, credit because the, their careers are just that much shorter than the other positions. And so it's a lot of heavy quarterback, wide receiver, and tight end kind of stuff in there. Yeah, and uh, for pyromaniacs out there, I will be uh, tweeting out some links uh, that you could follow. I'm sure you can get information on League Safe and League Safe Post as well. Um, so speaking of, now we're kind of chatting Dynasty and uh, Empire Leagues. Um, now is often kind of the time where people are maybe footballed out and depending on your, your calendar when you can make transactions or not, but around this time, when transactions are open, uh, you can make some really important grabs. I've been looking, you know, I, I tucked away a Keem Hunt a little while ago, but a lot of people talking about Eric Rogers, uh, the, the Calgary Stampeder, who just got signed, I believe, by San Francisco, uh, had some pretty impressive numbers up there last season, 87 catches, uh, almost 1,500 yards, a little over 1,400 yards, 10 TDs, a lot of guys talking about him. But there's even guys that we didn't see, uh, Perriman, we didn't see. You know, White, now chances are they're already taken. Uh, but a lot of names being tossed out there. Is there anybody you've got as a uh, dynasty veteran? Is there anybody you are kind of looking to pick up or have, an, you have your eye on at this time? Well, one of the things that in, in, in uh, the, the only dynasty league I actually play in is the Empire League that I'm in. And uh, we don't allow uh, pickups at this time of year. So it's you can do uh, everybody will be available at draft time and uh, I think I think that's kind of a good way to go after week 16 and uh, you can make trades but uh, I don't think that you should be able to pick up guys at this point in the season but uh, beyond that uh, little thing um, there are a few guys that uh, that were rookies last year that kind of caught my eye near the end of the year and I think I think would be good pickups good grabs Jay Ajayi in Miami uh, he, he got a little bit of run at the end of the season after uh, dealing with a lot of injuries. Lamar Miller is a free agent there. And, uh, Lamar Miller was so misused in Miami. Ugh. It would not surprise me, uh, if he went on to greener pastures and, uh, signed somewhere else and tried to, uh, make it go. Uh, he was one of, one of the best running backs in the league per touch, but, uh, just didn't get enough work down there. Uh, no. So, so Ajayi could be sitting on a, a, a possible timeshare as a starter, or or maybe even a little bit more. Uh, Max Williams in, in Baltimore, uh, rookie tight ends tend to do next to nothing. But uh, Max Williams, uh, being from Minnesota, I watched this guy play in college, and he was an absolute beast. Um, but it usually takes uh, tight ends about a year to figure it out. Uh, we saw Jimmy Graham really pop up in year two. Uh, we've seen we've seen a lot of tight ends in the past. Travis Kelsey looked better in year two than year one. Uh, so he, these are some guys that, uh, like Max Williams, I think is a guy that you could probably grab onto now because I don't think a lot of people stashed him away, and uh, could be could could put up some pretty good numbers for you. Yeah, another tight end I'm kind of keeping my eyes on is uh, Clive Walford over in Oakland. Uh, yeah, he had a good year at the end of the year there. Yeah, and, and we uh, Eric Carr looks really good. Yeah, he does. He's he's moving up. Uh, very accurate passer. Doesn't throw a lot of ints. And uh, we 
talk to uh, David T. Thomas often. He's a he's an NFL scout, and um, he sends me his scouting reports. And Walford was one of the guys he really liked. And like you said, a lot of times tight ends don't, you know, fit in really. It doesn't click for him until a couple years in the league. He's the guy I'm liking. Now, you guys, um, famous for another thing. So you got the Empire League under your belt, and you can put on your resume, but. Also, Paul Jargian, I think, has kind of coined the term, do the opposite. You know, many folks might refer to it as upside-down drafting. You know, give it a name. I'm sure there's other things. But uh, give us a brief refresher here. We at Pyro ha- have talked about it and often reference you or, or Jargian with this draft philosophy. Uh, break it down for us. What is do the opposite draft philosophy? Yeah, Church has been uh, kind of putting forth the do the opposite draft strategy for got over a decade at least uh it was probably early 2000s when he started doing it um in this last year it's been kind of funny how it started yeah. to gain steam as the zero running back theory and stuff like that <laughs> right um but but this is something that we've been we've been spouting for for over a decade and it's basically while everybody else is gobbling up running backs in your league uh, you go and you spend your first four or five rounds picking up the best wide receivers, tight ends, and maybe even a quarterback, and uh, have those positions locked down as some of the top guys in the league at your position. So you're playing from strength there. And then after about the fifth round, you take numerous running backs, just uh, every running back you can find. you just best available running back. And a lot of them at this time are going to be the guys who have, you know, question marks. Like uh, we don't know if they're going to be, you know, a full-time runner. They're going to be a half-time runner. Guys like LeGarrette Blunt was a good example this year. Uh, guys who we didn't quite know their role. D'Angelo Williams uh, would have fit into that mold. Uh, but you can find a whole bunch of, kind of middle of the road running backs or rookie running backs that aren't proven or second year running backs. We're going to finally get a little bit more share and, and and it tends to work out a lot more because as you saw in 2015, this was the year of the running back injury. And uh, the guys at the end of the season that were, that were leading teams into the playoffs, uh, I, in a championship game, I think I started Bilal Powell and D'Angelo Williams as my starting running backs. And Uh, those were two guys that, uh, I mean, D'Angelo, you might've had at the beginning of the year, but you were looking going, ah, he's a two week fill in until Le'Veon gets back. But I mean, you're looking at these guys and going, well, you, you got to find different aspects and different people to go at. And if you're spending your first two draft picks on, uh, Jamal Charles and DeMarco Murray this last year, you kind of wasted two draft picks if you were, if you were doing it, unfortunately, uh, and, and I mean, so many runbacks got dinged up. Arian Foster, Le'Veon Bell, Matt Forte missed some games, Charles. It's just a ton. So uh, it's, it's really hard to, uh, to – it really just speaks for itself. Look at, look at the running backs that got hurt at the end of last year and uh, look at, look at uh, who ended up doing well. Uh, and I, Eddie Lacy was uh, the third overall pick at NFL's ADP last year. And he was awful, and and just it's it it's it's a tough thing to to stomach uh, losing your first two draft picks. So I have a feeling more people are going to start uh, flexing to the do the opposite more. And do the opposite might not mean do the opposite anymore. It might just mean fa- fantasy is grabbing your best wide receivers now. 
Well, that's what I wanted to ask you. Uh, on a recent podcast when I did uh, guested on the heavy pyromaniac heavy i actually was in chicago with the boys and we were talking about this very thing we kind of did an audit and we were looking at our past drafts uh this year i noticed i think the first nine running backs taken in my high school league i want to say there was roughly about six had major you know injury issues or letdowns like in any lacy and well, i got i got an adp pulled up right here i'll tell you who the top uh top running backs were but it was Le'Veon bell was the number one running back off the board eddie lacy Adrian Peterson, who had a pretty good year. Yep. Jamal Charles, injured. Marshawn Lynch, injured. Matt Forte, a couple games. C.J. Anderson was a complete bust. DeMarco Murray, also a bust. Hill, Jeremy Hill, uh, pretty much a bust for where you were drafting him. LaShawn McCoy was actually pretty good considering, but he missed a few games. Justin Forsett, bust. Lamar Miller, it, it, he would have been absolutely fantastic if they would have fed him the ball. The 13th running back off the board was Melvin Gordon. He didn't score a touchdown all year. Mark Ingram was gone from the playoffs. Frank Gore was terrible. Carlos Hyde looked good in week one. It was terrible. Todd Gurley had to win. And you lost him at the end of the season. Alfred Morris. These are, this is a, the order of running backs. Right. Went through the first 18, and really one of those guys lived up to his draft position this year. Right. It, yep. it, was, it was absolutely brutal. Out of the names you were mentioning, you know, I jotted down AP, certainly, uh, Forte, arguably, and just my reaction, my feelings when you listed the names. Uh, AP, Forte, McCoy, Miller, uh, I liked Gurley. But that was it, and a lot of those are question marks. Now, I think, like you kind of alluded to, obviously, Matt, you and I are the only ones to notice this. So, next year, when perhaps we've seen um, wide receiver really take a huge leap forward and it's been trending that way. So maybe next year is kind of the draft of the wide receiver. Maybe people are not apt to load up on running backs first. So if that's the case, if guys next year are drafting wide receivers higher, earlier, more often, does do the opposite then mean – Literally do the opposite? Does, if everyone's drafting wide receiver, do you think do the opposite next year would be then? All right, go towards running back. We either call that undo the opposite or do the opposite of the opposite. But, uh, yeah, it could be. Um, it could be a situation where um, so many people are off Le'Veon Bell um, that he's there at the tail end of the first round and you just look at him and go, well, if this guy stays healthy, he's an absolute difference maker and i got to take him. Uh, if everybody's filling up on Odell Beckham, Julio Jones, Des Bryant, Rob Gronkowski, those kind of guys, well, yeah, then then you have to look and see what's available and what can give you positional differentiation and yeah. uh, and make you better. So, um, yeah, I think I think that uh, personally, I, I I prefer auctions in, in my case because it gives you kind of a truer value. But uh, if if you're still doing a stick draft. Uh, things could change quite a bit, and uh, you could, if you're at the tail end of that first round, you could see yourself going in about seven different directions. It could be, I'm gonna I'm gonna try to grab Gronk if he's still there. Uh, may, maybe you're a true believer in Cam Newton. Uh, maybe you're maybe you're looking at running back, running back to start because the value is just there. So you kind of have to be open uh, if you're in the back end of the draft. Uh, to to flex yourself around and, and and change your strategy halfway through. You can't go in with a solid strategy, I don't think, in 2016. 
That's exactly right. You know, we're uh, kind of starting our first draft of our um, draft kit and writing some manifestos and stuff like that. Uh, two of the, the tenants I think will be high on mine is certainly react to the draft. It's a fluid thing. Don't go in with one set plan because you just never know. And draft the best talent available. You know, best talent available is always going to uh, help you in the long run, whether it's stacking your team, making trades, but I don't think you can go wrong with best talent available and reacting to what's in front of you. One of the things we try to instill in people, and we do we do a lot of preseason shows for uh, Fantasy Football Weekly. Um, we do a, a big event called Fantasy Football Training Camp every year where uh, um, we, we, we filled up a casino uh stage showroom uh this year and uh it was pretty fun and you know a couple, couple thousand people watching us and doing the live radio show and then we did uh, kind of a deep dive on uh, all the powerpoints and stuff that we can't really explain on the radio but one of the things that we try to tell people when they're doing a draft is your first two rounds and maybe even your first three rounds you draft for safety um you don't you draft the guy that has the lowest downside possible um so that, that tends to steer you away from running backs a lot. But, uh, you know, guys who are, who are kind of iron men, like Adrian Peterson, for instance, uh, okay. he's still pretty safe kind of a player. Um, so you, dra- you draft for safety in rounds one, two, maybe three, and then you draft for risk after that. You draft for the crazy upside, and you draft, you draft the guys that uh, – you're going to pick out in rounds four, five, six, seven that are either going to make or break your team. And uh, uh, that's why do the opposite works so well, because you can draft a safe Odell Beckham or a safe Antonio Brown uh, in the first couple of rounds. And uh, then you can start getting a little silly with it and grab Dion Lewis and grab a, grab a Lamar Miller who might be in a new situation next year. And, uh, and uh, some of the other guys that are available, uh, Doug Martin's going to probably be in a new spot next year. So you, you kind of start grabbing the guys who have a little bit uh, of a uh, higher upside, but uh, lower downside. And then, and then you can uh, see if you hit on a few of those. And if you got your two safe guys and then you hit on two or three of your next couple of picks, you got a good chance to win. Okay. So uh, let's kind of stick with that. Um, drafting safety doing the opposite mm-hmm. so let's just say you know nothing crazy happens and not everybody is doing the opposite so it's so just, a traditional draft traditional draft yeah you're, you're drafting for safety now safe that word is i think a relative term i mm-hmm. was looking back on some write-ups and that i kid you not that um adjective was used with Lacey last year and he was, <laughs> his ADP was uh, very high. You know, he fluctuated. And to be honest, I think his yards per carry 4.1, 4.5, and it was 4.1 again this year. But a lot of guys said they liked Lacey because they felt he was safe in your book. In those first couple drafts in an average draft, you're doing the opposite. Who are some safe guys? Who are some of these guys that you would pick in rounds one through three or guys you're at least kind of targeting or would be on your list? Um, I think, I think you got to go with Gronk number one. And even though Gronk is probably going to miss uh, one or two games a year, um, Rob Gronkowski still is such a, he's such a difference maker at his position that he puts you, he puts you in such a good spot. I mean, he, he can miss two games and he can still lead the league in touchdowns. And, and that's a guy that uh, if I'm picking first overall in a draft, 
I'm looking long and hard at Rob Gronkowski and going, this is a guy I can, I can grab him. He can be my tight end. I don't have to worry about tight end in any other rounds. I can grab uh, two of my favorite wide receivers in rounds two and three, uh, hopefully get two top 10 guys. And then from there you, you can kind of just move on and, and, and filter in a whole bunch of running backs. But I mean, there's some other guys that uh, at the wide receiver position, I think are pretty safe. Uh, Antonio Brown comes to mind, probably has the, the lowest floor of any player week to week yeah. uh, in the NFL. He's going to get you eight catches and 80 yards just about every week. If you're in a PPR week, league, that's, that's money in the bank right there. Because then he's also going to have those weeks where he catches 20 balls for 180 yards and a touchdown or two. So right. uh, he's pretty amazing. Odell Beckham's fun to have because uh, he he can just he can go off and have two three touchdown games at any time and and he's just such a focal point in that offense. You know, with, um, o- with Odell as a Lions fan, I, I just view him different now because of course we had the Megatron news he might be retiring. We lost Barry early. Now we might lose Megatron early, and I can't help but go back to the draft when we picked Eric Ebron and Odell was still on the board. <laughs> we took Ebron and. Uh, it's just a, a, when I hear his name, I just think what could have been, and now we're losing more. So it's just a tender issue for me. Thanks for helping me work this out. I yeah. think this is healthy. This is healthy. Um, man, with, with Megatron too? Yeah. Don't the Lions just go to him and go, we'll trade you to wherever you want. Just don't retire. Like, yeah. we, we got to get something for you. Like, you, you want to go to New England, we'll trade you for a sixth-round pick or something like that. You want, you want a chance to win a title, we'll go. Ab- absolutely. And think about where they were not too long ago. People were kind of saying, oh, Megatron's doing this for um, uh, his own personal gain to try to get some money out of it. And they were talking about maybe they went from asking him to reduce his salary to now they he's got them over a barrel. The yeah. situation has totally flipped. So yeah, you think they need I, to get something out of it. If he just rides off into the sunset, that is a detrimental hit to the way you're I, building a team. I think he is consistently hurt too. Uh, and, yeah. and probably more than uh, people know. Um, he hasn't, he hasn't played well, like really well up to his standards and probably two and a half years. So it's just been ankle injury after ankle injury, and I don't think he can get healthy. So I think that's one of the things that's driving him. He's looking at the that Lions squad and going, we're not going to win a Super Bowl in the next two or three years. Yeah. My ankles aren't going to get better. I, I'm not going to get healthier. I'm not going to get younger. Uh, so I, I basically have a window of, of two, three, four years maybe that uh, he, can, he can win a Super Bowl. And yep. it's going to be painful for him to do it if he can. And I, I think he's going. Do I, do I care that much if, if, if I'm, if I'm going to just sit around here and not win? Right. Uh, I, I think I'd rather go sip a mai tai on the beach. And that's the thing. One, he's always been the type of player. He, I see him hit the ground a lot. He kind of sacrifices his body. He's always in this acrobatic aerial catch. So a lot of wear and tear on the body, and. He's the type of player, you know, he's never in the news. He keeps to himself, but he doesn't eat, drink, and breathe football like some other guys do. And I think if he's not going to be ultimate top at his position, which chances are he's probably not there anymore, I don't think he really has the drive to push it like a Manning or someone. Uh, I, I think he's 
serious and quite content to ride off into the sunset. But like you say, the Lions got to get something from him. Yeah. Uh, hopefully it's been early and this is an overreaction to the season. And, uh, you know, I never really put too much stock in what players say this quick after a season. Uh, but you never know. He's not a traditional type player. Sure. Well, we'll have to see. Now, we kind of covered we did a lot of draft philosophy. This has been great. Um, you know, before we jump into some players while we're on draft philosophy, uh, that you are a do the opposite. Are you also then a late-round quarterback? Or if you're doing the opposite, does that perhaps mean you're looking at quarterback early when maybe other guys aren't? Where do you stand on uh, late-round QB? Well, uh, the guy I was telling everybody to draft in 2015 uh, as a late-round quarterback is a guy that you could just plug in for the first six weeks because he had an amazing schedule was Carson Palmer. And yeah. uh, that, that worked out pretty well. I mean, there, there's guys that you can find in the 11th, 12th, 13th round that uh, don't have super sexy stats, but their stats are close enough to the the – the fun names that you were going to draft higher that it doesn't matter as much. Uh, uh, I, I think that this year the, the position is going to be deep again and you could, you could find yourself with a guy like a, a Derek Carr yeah. uh, late in a draft. Uh, I think a lot of people are going to be off Drew Brees uh, even though I believe he led the league in passing yards again. Uh, Carson Palmer uh, at, after kind of a, a shabby end of the playoff run, Maybe he doesn't get the respect he deserves, and uh, maybe uh, maybe people are just like, ah, he's old. Uh, Tony Romo is going to be all but forgotten this year. And uh, Matthew Stafford, if Calvin Johnson does come back, you still got to like Matthew Stafford because he chucks the ball 40 times a game. So yeah. there's a lot of guys that you're going to be able to find late. Hey, Eli Manning. Eli Manning is always available late. And Jay Cutler is always available late. Those guys both have great wide receivers. Mm-hmm. And and they're going to throw the ball to these wide receivers that you would draft in the first or second round. Somebody's got to get those guys the ball, and somebody's going to get them the points. So uh, I wouldn't mind you know waiting and taking either of those guys. Now that being said, if you're in a do the opposite draft and uh, uh, all of a sudden you, you know you're picking at the tail end of the first round and you get one of the wide receivers you like, uh, maybe you get. Uh, say an Alshon Jeffrey or something like that late in the first round or an AJ green. And all of a sudden you're sitting there and everybody's just gobbling up the wide receivers. And all of a sudden you get to around the, the mid to tail end around three and you're looking and Cam Newton's still there for some reason. And you go, geez, Cam Newton would have been the sixth best running back in the league last year as far as fantasy points. So I'm going to take him and I'm going to roll the dice with him. And, and that's totally fine. Or if you think, Hey, Aaron Rodgers is, going to get back to 45 touchdowns this year because Jordy Nelson's back in the fold and Mike McCarthy's back home plays again and you're a believer so you you could do that and uh, if you think you got a guy who sets you apart uh, that that's available for you at the quarterback position uh, you can go ahead and do it but if it's not that big of a difference maker I think that you wait on the quarterback position. Yeah, and, uh, you know, we've talked draft philosophy, so we're going to drop a few names with the last uh, 10 minutes of show uh, we've got left here. And some of those names you said, other ones, you know, Kirk Cousins, currently, if we were to draft right now, uh, 12-team, he's going top of the 10th. Tyrod Taylor, back of the 10th. Uh, Stafford and Carr and Manning, both going in the 11th. 
Chargers boy there, uh, Fitzmagic, going in the 12th. So I, I think it certainly behooves you to late. Uh, there's just, you know, yeah, those other guys score a lot of points, but everybody at the quarterback position scores a lot of points. Um, and it's not just about the guy that you're drafting, but it's also about the guy you're not drafting, right? Yeah. So if I draft Aaron Rodgers uh, early and then a quarterback late, well, who could I have gotten instead of Aaron Rodgers? Because I bet you there's a guy I can draft much later that's going to be pretty close point-wise to what Aaron Rodgers does, but how about those other positions? And I think that's what people forget to look at is it's not just who you draft, but who, could, who else could you have taken instead? Well, if you can if you can look at the eleventh and twelfth round, if you're mapping out your your draft, and you can say I'm going to get Eli Manning and Ryan Fitzpatrick, both of those guys in the eleventh and twelfth round, and I'm going to roll into every week starting the the guy who has the better matchup. Yeah, uh, I think that if you went into to a, a season like that, uh, you'd probably have a, a top eight quarterback uh, mashing those stats together, and I Absolutely. think that's a good way to do it. Uh, that means that you can spend your first 10 picks not on quarterback. So uh, if, if you can look and you can say safely, my league is a league where people don't, uh, people don't value some of these quarterbacks. If it's a one quarterback league or it's a league where not everybody gets a quarterback in the first five rounds, uh, I, th- I think it's a position you can definitely wait on. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, as I said, we talked a lot of uh, draft philosophy i'm here with matt harrison from league safe league safe post you can follow him on twitter at explosive output and uh this is pyromaniac mo you can follow me at pyromaniac mo on twitter and matt i heard you say earlier that uh, roughly you're not taking a running back till about the fifth round so mm-hmm. i looked up on a uh, famous football calculator and if we were drafting today now i looked this up a few days ago but it's still pretty accurate considering where we are in the calendar year uh fifth Round guys, and I looked up PPR, I looked up 12-team league. So guys that are going in the fifth round, which one of these guys would you target in, let's say you're doing the opposite, you do not have a running back yet? Okay. Arian Foster, Carlos Hyde, Jeremy Hill, Jonathan Stewart, C.J. Anderson. And really, I think you can feel comfortable with any of those guys if uh, if – if, if you're going into a draft at that point. And one of the things you just ask yourself is, who do I think has the best chance of uh, having the blow-up year? Um, Arian Foster's done it in the past. He's, uh, he's been the number one running back in fantasy, but it's been quite a few years since he's done that, and he's that injury history. Uh, Carlos Hyde's showed, shown just flashes of absolute brilliance in about two or three games in his career. Other than that, he's been an absolute dud, but he's got the Chip Kelly offense this year. Yeah. And maybe, maybe that changes some things around. Am I crazy to, that still allures me. Has Chip proven us that his ideal system doesn't really fit or is he still something to salivate over because Carlos Hyde, who never really intrigued me that much. If you added up his double digit carries, he, he really didn't have a great yards per game. He had the one great game against Minnesota, but how often are they going to have that game script? Yeah. But all of a sudden, Chip Kelly's coming there, and I'm kind of thinking about Hyde in a different way. Am I crazy to do that? Right. Well, I penned an article uh, just the other day on League Safe Post uh, projecting where the free agent running backs go uh, in this round of free agency early. And I have Doug Martin going to San Francisco, actually, because I think he would be he would be a really good fit in that Chip Kelly offense. Yeah. He's uh, kind of a Darren Sproles kind of type, uh, can catch passes out of the backfield. He's from the Bay Area. He grew up in Oakland. 
And uh, I, I think that would be a really interesting uh, one-two punch for him. Now, if Doug Martin ends up in San Francisco, what does that do to Carlos Hyde? What does that do to Doug Martin? I think you could probably look at what shakes out in the offseason with these guys, and, uh, and, and you could kind of see, you know, Carlos Hyde's going to get somebody else in there uh, who's a capable backup. There's just no two ways about it. Uh, Chip Kelly has always ran more than one running back, and, and Carlos Hyde's not going to be a, a bell cow back there. So uh, I think that you're going to find somebody else in there helping him out, and uh, he's probably not a fifth-round guy if you kind of look at it. But, uh, yeah, it, Jeremy Hill could be. Uh, he obviously had, he had double-digit touchdowns, one of the few running backs who did. C.J. Anderson uh, could be the, the top running back in Denver because uh, Ronnie Hillman's a free agent this year. Yep. Jonathan Stewart, you never know. Um, is 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 his career over? Is his career just kind of starting? We we don't even know. It seems like he's been here forever. Yeah. Uh, finally gets all the work in a year, and uh, he looks okay. Yep. But uh, I, I'm just worried that he gets sniped too much at the goal line by Cam Newton and Greg Olson. Yeah, and some very big uh, wide receivers, especially Benjamin, uh, comes back. They got some real tall, lanky boys that could be some nice. You mentioned Kelvin Benjamin. Kelvin Benjamin's a guy that I am selling all my shares of if I have right now because there's so much allure to him, and everybody's going to be like, hey, he had 10 touchdowns in in Cam's season when Cam wasn't throwing well, and now Cam's throwing great. So yeah. the, the price value on Kelvin Benjamin, I think, is going to be absolutely through the roof going into uh, July and August. And I think that you can kind of name your price for him right now. And I think that I think that what you could get in return for Kelvin Benjamin right now is will be absolutely fantastic for a guy who's coming off an injury, coming off a big ACL. And, and he's not a fast guy. He's kind of a slow plotter, but he's a big body guy and he's good near the stripe. But we've seen in years past with uh, wide receivers who uh, got a lot of red zone touches and, and red zone looks like James Jones, for instance, uh, who had like 12 red zone touchdowns for the Packers three or four years ago. It's, it's not often repeatable. And I think Devin Funchess is there and, and has made a, made a name for himself a little bit. Uh, should be better in year two. Greg Olson's one of the best tight ends in the league. Cam Newton's just really good. There's there's going to be a lot of touchdowns, but they got to go around to a lot of people in that offense. And I think that you could get a lot for Kelvin Benjamin this offseason. I like that take. I really like that take. Uh, and if anything, one thing I'm going to be doing this year, I think, is pushing more trades and trying to sell high and get out while the getting is good. Um, it, it can burn you, but boy, sure. I Love it's it's so easy to it's so easy to just hang on to a guy because he's really good, yeah. But th- that's often the best time to to sell him. You got to look at this guy and go, is this the high point in his career, and yeah. you know, or is this the high point in his fantasy value? And if it is, it's probably time to to see what you can get. At least at least put some feelers out there. You can always say no, but yep. uh, throw some feelers out there and see what you could get. Really. Well, we saw that with a lot of guys this year. You know, uh, Freeman not having the end of the season as he did at the beginning. James Jones, wide receiver. Saw from a lot of guys. And uh, I just got to say, you mentioned Doug Martin and Chip Kelly. To quote George Costanza, it moved when I I heard those (laughs) things put together. Uh, I like that lethal combination. Now, before I let you go, just uh, I I had a bunch of other names here. 
called mm-hmm. up for you, but we, I love the draft philosophy we were talking, and we kind of got in a little bit tossing some names out running back. A real interesting one, I kind of think, is either the sixth round or the seventh round running backs. Um, let me throw some names out here for you. This is the seventh round. Gio Bernard, Darren McFadden, which – I am staying away from, but Gio Bernard, Darren McFadden, Amir Abdullah, who I really still think is something there, Matt Jones, Carlos Williams, Bilal Powell. Which guy would you take? Which would you stay away from? Um, well, a lot of these guys are going to be in new situations this coming year. Uh, Great. I know, I know Bilal Powell is a free agent, and uh, Darren McFadden doesn't necessarily uh, have the job locked up in Dallas, but – it's worth noting that McFadden was one of, uh, I think, five running backs who topped 1,000 yards this year. Uh, you might not have known it because uh, all year long it was Joseph Randall's the starter, and he's going to be great behind that Dallas offensive line. And then they brought in Kristen Michael, and he's going to be great behind that Dallas offensive line. Everybody was just salivating. Yeah. Um, I, I was one of the few guys at the beginning of the year that said Darren McFadden's going to be the best Dallas running back. And one of the reasons I cited, and maybe it's not that good of a reason, but Jerry Jones is absolutely nuts. He's the new Al Davis in the league, and he is an alumnus of the University of Arkansas. So is Darren McFadden. Uh, So is Jimmy Johnson when he hired him. So he, he tends to stick to his weird good old boys network, and it, it was very predictable when he brought in McFadden and it was very predictable that they were going to give him a shot. And it would not surprise me at all if Dallas, you know, drafts a couple of late round rookie running backs to back up McFadden and McFadden comes in as the main tailback there in uh, 2016 and people are going to stay away from him, but you really can't argue with the fact that he was one of the few guys in the NFL who had over a thousand yards. He didn't score a lot, but he, he got the ball enough. It is a good offensive line, and, and, and the offense should be better with Romo back and Des Bryant finally healthy. So McFadden's one of those guys that you're going to be able to get really late in drafts. I think he'll be – I think he'll probably be beyond the seventh round by the time we start drafting in July. Yeah. And uh, I think he's a guy that you could grab and, and feel okay as him, with you, as him as your fourth or fifth running back on your bench. Yeah, McFadden, I just looked it up. Fourth most rushing yards this season, Darren McFadden. Now, a guy I would like, though, I'm staying away from McFadden, but I would like his uh, whoever is behind him on the depth chart. I, I don't think McFadden's going to last, and we saw um, that spot behind the Dallas line can certainly produce some uh, fantasy fruit down the line. So I'm kind of looking at the depth chart and seeing who's backing up McFadden. That might be a guy I would be interested in going for. Mo, how many how many games has McFadden missed in the last two years? Yeah, he's more durable in the last three years. I, I realize he's, that he's missed zero games in the last two years. He's he's just a guy who's who's just kind of coming out late, and he's a name. And look, look, I, if if you look at this guy and you just get, assign him an employee number and don't look at his name, yeah. he's he's just a he's just a guy who is he's coming in later in life, and and he he's putting up stupidly okay numbers and and nobody wants to draft him because he's Darren McFadden and that that's a guy that I'll go fine you're not going to draft Darren McFadden I'll take him and he'll be a bi-week fill-in for me and he'll be a solid bi-week fill-in and maybe I get get a get a couple of good games at the beginning of the season who knows maybe Dallas gets two or three of the worst running uh 
defenses in the first three or four weeks of the season. And, and all of a sudden McFadden is one of the two or three best running backs to start the year. And then maybe you can trade him. So I, if he's a starting running back and he's got a pulse and he's behind a good offensive line and it's a good, good offense, I'm, I'm going to take it. It doesn't matter his name. Yeah, he. but I tell you, uh, on the other side of that coin, how many games did he miss in the early part of his career? Yeah, he was also running behind maybe one of the worst offensive lines in recent history for the prior six or seven years. In Oakland, he had no protection, and he was just getting slaughtered left and right. He's actually in a good spot right now on a good offense, and and Dallas should be a team that they they think they're primed to go win the Super Bowl next year. They thought they were this year if they could keep healthy, but they think they're ready to do it next year. Well, that's – that's the big allure, right? The the yeah. offensive line, Romo's back. Everybody's going to be paying attention to Dez, all the weapons they've got, and that's the big allure. So it's, I I still would prefer, I think, value, second guy there. Um, you and everybody else who's listening slash yeah. watching right now is going to go, yeah, 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 I, I don't care about McFadden. But McFadden's one of those guys that you you grab in a boring draft. You, you grab the most boring basic guys and – It'll work. He, yeah. he, he's going to be a part of a playoff fantasy roster next year. I, I'm telling you that. I like, I like the call, my friend. I like the call. Now, I know you got to get going, so I'm going to ask you one last thing. I'm going to quote old Amos Milburn uh, in a song that John Lee Hooker made famous, One Bourbon, One Scotch, One Beer. And I'd like you to give me, don't even have to talk too much about him, but just give me one breakout, one sleeper, one bust. Oh, man. Uh Breaking out, uh, man, I, I didn't prepare for this one. I didn't get to the end of the question. But uh, <laughs> well, give, me, um, give me one, any of those. You got either a breakout, do you have either a sleeper or perhaps a guy that is going to bust? So maybe, uh, maybe sleeper or uh, bust is easier. Well, I, th- I, think, I think on the bust, I, just, just talking about some of the guys that I've talked about already, I think that the bust potential for Kelvin Benjamin is very high. Yeah. Uh, re-injury or him just not living up to uh, to his ADP that, that should be probably first or second round, maybe third round next year. Uh, I, I think that there's a good chance that he just doesn't deliver uh, all of the touchdowns that you need him to. I think Jay Ajayi is a really, really sneaky pick right now, and I think that he's going to go later in drafts. Maybe uh, Maybe the way the offseason shakes out in Miami, uh, I, 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 that uh, they grab somebody else maybe. Uh, one of the guys I predicted going there in my article is Ronnie Hillman going there, rejoining Adam Gase in Miami. Yeah. Uh, so uh, it, it could be interesting. Whoever the Miami running back is, uh, the main Miami running back, I, I like them a lot uh, coming into next year because I think Gase is a good uh, offensive mind, and I think that they got some pretty decent uh, – pretty decent offensive line play down there and they could, they might be able to get it going. So I think that's a, that's a good, uh, maybe sleeper, uh, breaking out, man. Uh, Alshon Jeffrey. Yeah. I think, right. I think, I think they're going to franchise him in Chicago. Yeah. And I think he's got, if he can get healthy this off season and Kevin White comes back uh, and actually plays this year, giving them another option. Uh, Eddie Royal just wasn't there this year, and 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 it just it just he did, he was just double covered all the time. But uh, I've seen Alshon Jeffrey absolutely kill the Vikings uh, time in and time out in the, in the last few years, and 
And I think that he's a guy who could absolutely uh, take a massive step up this year and uh, be one of those guys who at the end of the year, he's a top three or four wide receiver. All right. And that's a big name Pyro. A lot of guys either love him or hate him. And I'm yeah. an Alshon lover. I've, I love what I've seen. Great hands. Always catches the ball, high points it. So I'm with you on Alshon. I like that call right there. Love the Benjamin call as well. Matt, I know you've uh, been gracious enough to do this three times, and we are even running long, so I'm going to let you go. And I really appreciate you coming back on and uh, shooting the, the fantasy breeze with me. Yeah, thank you. Anytime. Abs absolutely. Once again, Pyromaniacs. This is Pyromaniac Mo. You can follow me on Twitter at Pyromaniac Mo, just like it sounds, P-Y-R-O-M-A-N-I-A-C-M-O. And that, of course, was Matt Harrison at Explosive Output. You can follow him on Twitter. He can also be found in League Safe and the podcast Fantasy Football Almost Daily and during the regular season, the Fantasy Football Radio Show, Fantasy Football Weekly. Uh, stay tuned. We will uh, have some more pyro stuff for you in the coming days. And until then, we will see you on the flip side. All right, Pyromaniacs, thanks for hanging out with us today on the Pyro Light Podcast, episode 26. We just heard from Matt Harrison from League Safe, and again, thank you to uh, Mr. Explosive Output on Twitter. Uh, Matt gets the golden chalupa once again. He is a three-timer for me and greatly appreciated his help and all the guys over there at League Safe. Uh, now, we're going to transition over to Will Carroll. I got a chance to do a phone interview. So, you might notice a little change in audio. I did the Matt Harrison interview via Google Hangout, and I did the Will Carroll interview via the phone. So, slight difference in audio quality, perhaps. Will Carroll is from FanDuel, and he gives us the lowdown on injuries. Should you be worried about Jordy Nelson? What about some of the top name running backs we saw go down are they going to be ready for the start of the season will carroll dives into all of that he does a fantastic job will was on a limited uh, time basis when i did the interview so it's a low down quick and dirty interview but he gives some great insight as to injuries that you may want to keep an eye on and those boys that you don't have to sweat but without Further ado, I'm going to start us off with a little bit of the bands, Atlantic City. They're covering the Bruce Springsteen Classic, and then we will go right into Will Carroll with my fantasy football talk. Peace. chicken man in Philly last night and they blew up his house too down on the boardwalk they're ready for a fight gonna see what them racket boys can do now there's trouble busting in from out of state and the DA can't get no relief Gonna be a rumble on the promenade And the gambling commissioner's hanging on by the skin of his teeth Everything dies, baby, that's a fact But maybe everything that dies, someday he comes back Put your makeup on, fish your hair up pretty. 
hey, what the fuck and tell me what's happening. This is Pyromaniac Mo coming at you for another Fantasy Football Talk podcast. You're listening to the Pyro Podcast Light. This is episode 26. Uh, we started off the show with a Bruce Springsteen original entitled Atlantic City. Of course, that was one of my favorites, the band, giving us a rendition of that uh, oldie but goodie. Today, I'm back and in good health. I survived my Chicago trip with the heavy crew. And as you pyromaniacs know, through the offseason, I'm going to keep the light rocking, whether it be fancy football talks, whether it be highlighting cool content coming out from Pyro, doing mock drafts, the Pyro light is going to keep on rocking. Now, today I'm excited, and just to let you guys know, the audio quality might be a bit different. I'm doing this one via phone, and I have Will Carroll. Will is the author of two sports injury-related books. He has re- uh, written extensively on the topic of baseball and football. He's worked with Bleacher Report and SI, just to name a few. He's given us such wonderful columns on the subject as Under the Knife and for football-related injuries, depends the aptly titled Injury Report. He is currently the managing editor for FanDuel, and you can follow Will on Twitter at InjuryExpert. Will, how are you, sir? Hey, I'm doing great. It's been one heck of a football season, uh, our biggest season ever at FanDuel. Been excited to be a part of that. And unfortunately, all too busy a season with injuries. Concussions up, uh, ACLs up, foot injuries up. Yeah, uh, this season in large part was uh, defined and even decided by which team was the healthiest and which players were injured. Yeah, it was a crazy year just to see how many guys were affected and how many teams needed to go to the waiver wire. Now, uh, I got a bunch of questions lined up for you, and I know we've got limited time, so I want to jump right in. Uh, got from one of the boys over at Injury Predictor basically said that 77% of NFL players that are injured in the preseason go on to later be injured in the regular season. Now, have you found that to be the case? Are there guys that we should be looking uh, at? The red flag goes up if they get injured in the preseason. Well, I think what you have to look at there is, is that there's a couple things here. Uh, I've never seen that stat, and that seems pretty high because, uh, you know, most of the injuries are front-loaded to begin with. Uh, you know, if you take a look at just ACL injuries alone, uh, those are mostly going to happen in the preseason and tend to uh, slide down. That happened again this year, and that's the pattern every year. There's something of a survivor's effect in the NFL. Most of the injuries, in fact, the majority of all injuries occur in the preseason. And why? Bigger rosters. Uh, players are, are playing out there that simply can't hold up. Uh, you take a look, and, and unfortunately, a number uh, of the biggest injuries we saw this season, some of the most effective, uh, were the ones that happened in the first weeks of preseason. Just think about Travis Benjamin. Yeah. Uh, at that point, we all thought, oh, no, those poor Panthers. Cam Newton's not going to have anybody to throw <laughs> to. He's going to have to carry this team. Will it, yeah. How will we ever do? Well, kind of worked out for him, but still, you take a look. What would this team have been with Travis Benjamin? So uh, that's I'm not sure that stat's meaningful because, you know, on the one hand, we already have all the injuries front-loaded to begin with. And on the other hand, you know, injuries themselves tend to be traumatic. I can't predict, and I don't believe anyone can predict, whether a player is going to break their leg, whether they're going to 
hurt their hand, whether they're going to get a concussion, because those are traumatic injuries. Someone hits you or you fall down or you, you know, the, the turf monster comes up and grabs you. What we can predict is risk. Certain players are riskier than other players, and the most important factor to that is injury history. If a player has a hamstring strain, they are more likely not only to have another hamstring strain, they're more likely to have back strains, calf strains, and foot problems. If you have someone with a back problem, they're more likely to have arm problems, oddly enough, and then uh, hamstring problems. So, you know, there's a lot of these that, that have connections, and what you have to do is think through the function. So because the majority of, uh, of football injuries are traumatic, I don't think they're that predictive. But what is predictive is the injury history. So somebody with an injury history is by definition going to be more likely to be injured next week, um, next month, next year. Absolutely true. Gotcha. And maybe not looking at the preseason, but maybe if there's, you know, fantasy players are always looking at for some sort of indicator. Is there a type of injury, like soft tissue injuries, is there a type of injury that might be more apt to repeat injuries later? So are there injuries that fantasy owners should really be on the lookout for? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, there, there are two things you, you have to understand. First is the function. If you have, say, a speed player, I'll go back to hamstring injuries, and let's take Alshon Jeffrey. I know he's on your list to talk about. Mm -hmm. If a speed player has a leg injury, specifically a hamstring injury, it's going to be more difficult. First, they're going to lose a step. Second, they're not going to be able to jump, and since length is a big part of Alshon Jeffrey's game, that affects him. Second off, in, your body compensates in an amazing way. The body is just such an amazing instrument that you know, without even thinking about it, you're going to make adjustments to compensate for any sort of deficit you have. Uh, I'll, I'll, the easiest way to do this is to put a rock in your shoe. Look, you're not going to put a big rock in your shoe. You're not going to put a sharp rock in your shoe. You're just going to put a medium-sized pebble in your shoe. And, and as you walk, you're not going to walk normally. Even though you try to, your body is going to adjust. That's what NFL players do unconsciously. They're adjusting for those injuries. So when Alshon Jeffrey is out there running, is he overstriding? That's a question you have with any hamstring injury. That's the leading cause uh, of it. Because, you know, they're trying to outrun somebody. They're trying to catch up to the ball. If you overstride, if you overlengthen that hamstring, uh, if it can't handle it, just muscle fibers, uh, and you start getting those tears, that leads to uh, certain problems. But you saw with him, calf problem hamstring problem on the other yep. side, these were all compensation injuries. I call it a cascade because you see it rolling down the hill. Uh, it's, a, it's a term I actually stole from network theory, and we see this over and over and over, and Alshon Jeffrey was a great example of how long it can affect you and in how many different ways. So you have to think of the body as an entire kind of network, and then you have to think about specific function. Now, with specific function, a lot of times – um, the doctors will say, hey, you're ready to go, and they'll get put back on the field. But a lot of times it's almost like a mental thing with these guys sometimes that uh, mentally they're not ready to make the cut. Physically, maybe, but they just haven't tested it enough, and sometimes it takes these mm -hmm. guys maybe the second year back. I think Julio was a good example of this not too long ago. Are there any guys that you expect to really have a rebound this season? That Maybe they came back last year, but they were still tentative. Now they've tested it, and they're ready to fire up. Are there any guys like that? coming up this year no but because you're exactly right the confidence is the last thing to come but that's actually getting more and more integrated into the rehab program one of the reasons we're seeing guys come back faster and faster 
is not because the surgery is different, not because the athletes are doing that, anything that different, but because the rehab is different. We're starting people earlier, and we're really understanding that, again, this is a holistic thing. The last thing to come is confidence. You have to not only stop thinking about it, you, you, you have to understand and get back to that instinctive state that these amazing athletes are. So do you see some sort of deficit? Yes, absolutely. But I don't see nearly as much as we did 10 years ago. Uh, you gotcha. know, things, things like Achilles strains, you know, those were, you know, 20 years ago were a career ender. You know, 10 years ago, it was definitely a year, likely 18 months. And now we're seeing guys come back in six to nine months. The surgical technique has really not changed that significantly. We've gotten better. There's more practice with it. There's a few new things we can do. But overall, it's because of the rehab and understanding uh, the body is a holistic system. Well, let me get right down to the nitty-gritty. Um, you mentioned T. Benjamin. You know, he got injured early on. I want another uh, – talk about another guy that was hurt early on, Jordy Nelson, August 23rd. I think it was against the Steelers. Mm-hmm. He's got coming up this year. The team was different without him. How do you see Jordy's rehab going? It's going really well, and we got an amazing song in that playoff game. The Packers didn't end up winning. But those two Hail Marys actually gave us a chance to see Jordy Nelson doing two things that told me where he was in his rehab. First, he was jumping up and down on the sidelines, cheering with his teammates. He wasn't thinking about it. He was just jumping up and down because he was so darn happy, just like the rest of the Packers fans. The other was, after that second Hail Mary, he actually ran out on the field and did a quick stop because he realized, hey, I'm not supposed to run out on the field. That quick stop is one of the last things you really do as part of your rehab, and it's almost exactly where he should be. So it was a very positive indicator. I do think Nelson's going to come back. He, he's a very complete wide receiver. People think he's a speed wide receiver, much more physical than people think. I don't think this ACL is going to hold him back. He should be in perfect position to be back uh, for training camp, uh, and, and certainly he's going to fit right back into that Aaron Rodgers offense. On the other end of the spectrum, Jordy got hurt early. Now, Des Bryant, I, I think he was hurt early, uh, maybe even week mm-hmm. one. It lingered. I think he finally went under the knife on the sixth to get the bone graft done. Uh, they took a real interesting approach with Des. Uh, what are your feelings on Des Bryant? Yeah, you know, I think it's, the approach was a confuser. They went directly to bone graft. Normally what you use uh, is an intermedullary screw, which is basically a screw that just goes right – in line with the bone, uh, and, and it's his was a Jones fracture, the fifth metatarsal, the, the kind of outside of the foot. Uh, it, it'd be the same as the bone underneath your pinky finger, except for your foot. Um, obviously, he has to cut, and if he's cutting the opposite direction of that foot, he puts a ton of pressure on that. We've seen this with Julio Jones. You mentioned him. Uh, we've seen it with Marvin Jones. Apparently, Jones fractures only happen to people named Jones. No, that's not true. We've had a bunch of them. Uh, but but that, those are the ones that come to mind. Um, the screw, oh, Bradshaw is another one. There, we've had trouble with the screw. Either the screw breaks or the screw comes loose. That was the problem with Ahmad Bradshaw. I remember talking to him and said, what's the problem? He goes, my screw's loose. And I was like, literally, <laughs> okay. Uh, really, that screw is my problem. It's easy to go back in and replace it, but then you kind of have to wait for it to set and go through a quick rehab process. That's been the problem. They went directly to a bone graft which is much more involved and usually has a longer period of recovery. With Dez, he was back in eight weeks. So uh, they kind of jumped the – I don't want to say jumped the gun. They just went a different direction with it. But it doesn't appear there was any real benefit to it. 
He still had some setbacks with it. Not unusual. Uh, we'll just have to see how it goes. Obviously, the screw's not loose. They're not going to have to go back in and do this. There are some questions about whether the bone graft is going to heal up enough, whether he overstressed it, and they'll have to repeat the procedure. Uh, but, uh, you know, the Cowboys really were aggressive with some of the things they did, uh, whether it was with him or with Tony Romo's collarbone. Well, you bring him up. Let's move on to the guy throwing him the ball. This is a clavicle break number three, I believe. What do you think kind about of. Tony Romo? Yeah, you know, we can think of it as three collarbone breaks, but this is really two and two that are completely disconnected. Okay. Uh, you know, bones heal. No matter whether it's him or whether it was Justin Forsett who broke his arm, bones heal. If you haven't had a broken bone yourself, you knew little Timmy down the street who fell off his skateboard, broke his arm. Six weeks later, his arm's fine. You don't think about it. You don't worry. You know, oh, no, is little Timmy going to break his arm again? If he falls off his skateboard again, he's going to do that. This is what Tony Romo did. Tony Romo did the exact same thing he did uh, several years ago. He fell, well, knocked down, uh, had a 300-pound man on him, and stuck his arm out to catch himself. Well, I'm sorry. Something's got to give, and in this case, it was his collarbone. Uh, it happened before. It happened again. Uh, three, three, three different times he did this. Tony, quit sticking your arm out. Uh, you, you saw with Ben Roethlisberger, different sort of thing. He took the hit, fell. Most right. of the weight did not go on his arm and shoot back up into his shoulder. He just fell on the shoulder. So he had a mild separation. I'll take that over a broken collarbone. Hmm. So it feels like somebody needs to teach Tony Romo how to get tackled. Uh, you know, he's going to have it slated because it didn't heal exactly right. They want to make sure everything's good, that it's strengthened properly. It's a little unusual. Uh, I, I don't fault them for trying to get him back out there. Uh, he should be fine well before next year. Again, this is an eight-week injury. So kind of like RG3 needs to learn how to slide. Romo just needs to learn how to take a hit. Exactly. All right. Well, again, I'm with uh, Will Carroll. Pyromaniacs, you can uh, get the best from Will on Twitter at Injury Expert. And of course, this is Pyromaniac Mo. You can follow me on Twitter. And Will, I know you uh, have just a few minutes left, maybe five or six, and I want to get to some of the big name running backs because there just aren't that many that we're looking to draft right off the bat. Lev Bell is one of them. He suffered a torn MCL and PCL in his right knee. Uh, what can you tell me about Levy and Bell? Yeah, this is a tough one. You know, with ACLs, we know guys come back. We know the period of time. We know they come back well. Uh, PCLs are a little bit different. We haven't seen a ton of these, especially significant ones with uh, associated damage. The MCL, don't even worry about it. Uh, it'll heal at the same point of the PCL. But this one's more difficult. So what I want to see from him is that burst. I want to see that he's able to stop and cut that hole and burst through it. We just don't have a good comparable player the best most comparable player is andre johnson a few years ago he came back but he lacked burst uh mm -hmm. he became much more of a physical receiver than a guy who could separate and, and make the big play so i am concerned about bell i'm not saying he can't come back but watch when he gets to camp and i do think he'll be ready for camp watch to see if he has that burst the minute you see it then he's back okay good to know uh, what about, well, we've talked MCL, PCL. What about ACL? Uh, I believe Jamal Charles, uh, October 11th, suffered an ACL tear. What do you expect of him? Uh, same thing we had last time he did this. It's unfortunate. Yes, it's mm -hmm. the second one. 
second ones are no worse than the first. And actually, in some ways, it's better. We know that Jamal Charles knows what to do with the rehab. We know that Jim Andrews does a great job with his knee. We know the rehab professionals like Kevin Wilk can handle this. We know that's a great medical staff in Kansas City. So everything's lined up for him to come back in exactly the way he came back last time. And when he came back last time, he was right back to being one of the two or three best running backs in the game. So I think he'll be fine. All right. So uh, I, I would assume then a guy like Deion Lewis, who also suffered an ACL injury. Now, he did it about a month later, November 8th. Uh, do you expect Dion to be back and ready to go by the time training camp starts? I do. The, the only difference I have, besides the timeline, obviously, you know, this is a 9- to 12-month injury. Um, we've seen guys come back a little bit earlier. The quickest anybody ever came back was not Adrian Peterson. It was Wes Welker. Uh, and nobody ever talks about Wes Welker being a physical freak. Uh, mm-hmm. I think the difference with Lewis is that let's say – they are losing something. Obviously, it's a major surgery. Uh, they've got to go through the rehab process. We don't think they come back to 100%. Well, 95% of Jamal Charles is still really, really, really good. 95% of Deion Lewis, is that good enough? This is a guy who, outside of a couple months in New England, a place where, heck, they almost made it to the Super Bowl with Steven Jackson in the backseat. Uh, Deion Lewis is a guy who got cut, who couldn't stick on a practice squad for a lot of teams. Is 95% of Deion Lewis good enough? So that's my only question with him. Well, uh, not that I want to talk about Victor Cruz, but more of the injury, patellar tendon. Now, Victor Cruz mm-hmm. never got right. And guys that have had it in the past, Ryan Williams, Kevin Williams, Buck Hulter, yep. never really an injury where guys have come back from. Jimmy Graham, suffers the same injury. What are your expectations for Jimmy Graham? Very low. Very, very low. The, 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 the advantage that he has over the others is just that he's so gosh darn big and athletic. So, again, is, is he going to come back and be, you know, I don't think 95% is possible with, with a patellar mm. tendon rupture. I think, you know, is he going to be able to come back and be 80%? Well, 80% of Jimmy Graham would still be pretty darn big. Wouldn't be maybe the matchup problem on speed that it would be, but I think he could he could easily adjust his game. Maybe he gets a little bit bigger, uh, becomes more of a blocking guy. Uh, more, He'll still be a red zone guy. So I, I think he has a chance to come back, but I do not think he's going to come back to be an elite player. And I think there's, there's a 25% chance we never see him play again. Wow. 25%. Yeah, that was it's a not much success in past uh, history with that injury, so uh, he's fighting an uphill battle. Uh, last one, and I know you got to get going, but last one, it was an interesting injury. Uh, not for him, certainly, but Andrew Luck, uh, lacerated kidney, abdominal tear. Mm-hmm. Uh, how is he going to be for the next NFL season? He's fine. He should have played. I really disagree with the way the Colts handled this one. Uh, Once he was medically cleared to come back, he should have come back. I realize they were open questions. I know there was – once they were out of the playoffs, they were like, what value is it? A, you give him a little bit of confidence. Second, you know, if you can play, you should play. Uh, So I'm I'm a little bit curious about that. That said, the injury itself is one that's – pretty common actually it's just common in car crashes so assuming he doesn't get hit like that again this should never be a problem uh it wasn't that significant certainly you didn't want him out there playing i think uh the six to eight weeks was reasonable Uh, again i think he should have come back at the end of the season the colts elected not to do that but i think he's going to be right back out there and uh, that colts team is one that could could 
turnaround pretty quickly. Uh, but, you know, Andrew Luck, when he was healthy, was having trouble this year. And uh, the decisions made at the end of the year leave me a bit wanting. So I'll, I'll be very curious to see how Andrew Luck responds to what was clearly the worst year of his football life. Yeah, absolutely. Wow, Will, great stuff. I can't thank you enough. You, you taught me, and I know you taught our Pyromaniac listeners uh, certainly a thing or two, and we really appreciate your knowledge and spending some time with us. Hey, thanks a lot, guys. Let's do this again. All right. Will Carroll, everybody. Once again, he is the managing editor of Fan Duel. He's written extensively on injuries in uh, football and baseball. And, again, you can follow him on Twitter, at InjuryExpert. This has been Pyromaniac Mo. You can follow me on Twitter, just as it sounds, at T-Y-R-O-M-A-N-I-A-C-M-O. And until the next time, we will catch you on the flip side.
Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.